very last one. All right. Yeah, at least the center one. Good. Yeah, it's probably better. Hopefully, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be here this morning. I pray you will guide my words, that they will bring glory to you. I pray that we will be blessed as we listen to your word, as that the Spirit will lead and direct and minister to us according to our needs. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Um, it's Clara here. I don't know if it's Clara. Can you see? Yeah. Oh, it's, uh, can see it you can see it fine? Good. All right. So, and if you can't see at the back, the front seats are all, all empty. So, that will help. All right. Um, Jesus today. I heard John. John wasn't, <laughs> I know, because John wasn't here the last time I spoke. When I said part two will be today. So, so when he said Jesus today, I said, oh, thank you, spirit. <laughs> so that's what we are supposed to talk about. Ascended and seated in heaven. So um, I started on this topic because I, I was, I felt like I should speak on it because I wanted to, God led me to start talking on it because I wanted to get, get away from COVID, 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 COVID. I wanted to start talking about Jesus, 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 more Jesus, more Jesus, more Jesus. So, and that's a, and then I went on with all of these things where I spoke about the milestones in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, the key events, if you like. Um, the birth, the baptism, we talk about the birth, Christmas, that's what we do often. And then baptism, we mention it oh, sometimes. And uh, temptation, transgression, death, resurrection. But uh, the ascension is something that we don't talk about often. So we talk about all of these ones. But I was thinking about Baptism, you know, the fact that the Lord Jesus, when he was baptized, he came out of the water, the heavens opened, a voice came down, and the Spirit came down and said, This is my beloved Son. In him I'm well pleased. And immediately after that, he was moved by the Spirit into the wilderness or desert to be tempted. And he fasted for 40 days, didn't eat, and he was hungry. And what was the first thing that the devil said? Yeah. If you are what? If you are the son of God. What was the last thing that the father said when he was baptized? This is my beloved son. So the devil began, oh yeah, you are God's son. If you are, 
turn this stone into bread. And the Lord Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. And of course, the devil figured, mm, all right, it's good to have some glory. So he took him to the pinnacle and then said, if you jump now, you know, the scripture says he will give his angels charge over you and they will keep you. And uh, he said, if you are the son of God, and then the Lord Jesus again responded with scriptures. And then the devil took him to a place and then said, all of these I will give to you. You only need to do one thing. Bow down and worship me. And then the Lord told the enemy, get away. So he left him for a season. So he was tempted. And unlike Adam and Eve, he passed the test with perfect color. And then transfiguration, death, we speak about this resurrection we do, and then ascension is where we are today. So you remember these questions? I asked these questions, I went through them one by one the last time I spoke. Just something to think about. So, and I hope you thought about it. I hope you didn't just say, um, leave it behind. So, so maybe go back don't, don't go yet so maybe we can ask this one what is Jesus doing today alright so, so that I'm not the only one speaking so what is Jesus doing today come on come on yeah Interceding on behalf of all the saints. What else? Watching over us. Watching over us. Oh, this is wonderful. What else? Advocate. Uh, advocate. Uh, advocate. What else? Praying for us. All of this. So, because I want you to remember that he hasn't left us alone. It's not a question of, okay, I finished the task on the cross for you. Now you are on your own. See you in heaven. No. He has not left us alone. In fact, he's always with us, even though he's in heaven. So, he hasn't left us alone. So, why is the ascension significant? I have a few points that i just like to highlight before I continue. See, see it marked the end of the period of self-limitation. When... Jesus became a man, he could only be at one place at a time. Physically, he could be at one place. He couldn't be just like you. We have limitations. I can't be here at home right now. I can only be at one place. So when he became a man, he was, he, he was limited by the way men are limited, even though he was God. So it marked the end of that. And uh, I like you to think about this. Before he died and resurrected, we have no record that Jesus could pass through the world and show up in a room unannounced. We don't have that record. But after his resurrection, while they were sitting and grieving, what happened? Jesus himself appeared. 
the limitations were gradually removed. And he appeared not like a spirit, but as a person with a resurrected body. And that's why he could say something like this to Thomas. Put your hands right there. Put your hands right there. So he took on a glorified body, or what I would call a resurrected body. But even then, that was limited. Limited manifestation of Christ's glory after the resurrection. This did not happen before he died and resurrected. I have to keep that in mind. Now, the ascension also signified uh, some sort of uh, anticipated exaltation and glory in heaven. We're told that this morning. John told us in heaven. Now, when he went back to heaven, all the glory that he had with the Father was restored. But there was more. Because prior to his coming to heaven, there had been no victory over sin and death. It was when he became man and died as a man on our behalf and conquered sin and death on our behalf that there was victory. So there was additional victory that he went into heaven with. The glory of victory over sin and death. Sin has been conquered and death has been defeated. And the Lord Jesus did that for us. So he didn't just go back as deity or God. He went back as a man back to heaven. So, and that meant unlimited manifestation of his glory. He could show up after he returned to heaven. He could show up at any time unannounced everywhere. He could appear to Paul, he could appear to Stephen, he could appear to anybody. He's here with us today. And he's here with our fellow believers in India, in Nigeria, wherever they are. The glory has been fully restored. And that happened after he was ascended to heaven. So a few more points here that I'd like you to note that the Lord Jesus is the first resurrected man to enter heaven. The first resurrected man to enter heaven and the forerunner for all believers. So ascension brings more than the glory that he had before. He also brings a glorification of humanity. That's why Paul could say in Romans that we, you know, he called us, he chose us, justified us and glorified us. We are heading to glory and our future is bright because the Lord Jesus died on the cross for us and ascended. So we know where we are going. And so I'd like you to think that way as a believer that he is the first resurrected man to enter heaven. And I know one will say, well, Elijah didn't die. Enoch didn't die. But they were not resurrected. He's the first resurrected man to enter heaven. And so when the resurrection comes at the end of the age, all believers will be there in heaven. So uh, what else do we have here? It's an important link between Christ's work on earth and his work in heaven. So I didn't have this point the last time. I have it now. So we have it there. I'm hoping I'm having, I have the right PowerPoint because... The full PowerPoint that I have is uh, about 27 pages, and I hit many of them 
just in case somebody wants it. So I am hoping. Good. All right. So when the Lord Jesus went to heaven, which we read a few passages, we're reminded that why when he went to heaven, he gave us the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 7, he says, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. So his last word on his way to heaven was, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. And uh, his ascension, we said the last time was in Acts 1.11, he says, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go up. That's very important because there are many, many fake Jesuses that show up. And the real one will return in the same way that he went up. Okay? It will be gradual, it will be visible, it will be bodily, and it will be in a cloud. You will have no, there will be no sense of, I'm not sure if he has returned. We will know. And he entered heaven. So this passage we read, and I love this passage. I really love this passage because it talks about the dominion that the Lord Jesus has now. And sometimes, you know, we lose sight of the fact that he has all authority under him. Let's read together verse 19 of Ephesians 1. And I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead, raised Christ from the dead, and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler, authority, or power, or leader, or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things, all things. I like the word all whenever I see it. All things under the authority of Christ. And has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. So we read this the last time. And then the point was made that when he entered heaven, it indicated that his redemptive work was approved. God received, Jesus received his rightful throne, seated in place of honor, and has dominion over all things. All things. It doesn't look that way, but that's what it is. He has dominion. Authority over all things. Okay. Jesus today. So I'm going to give you the summary of all the points that you need that I'm going to speak on. One, enthroned in heaven, we spoke about this. Two, he's the sovereign Lord and master. That's a Hebrews chapter one. Three, a great high priest and mediator that was shared this morning. The preacher shared it this morning and I was saying thank you for sharing this this morning. And then he's our constant companion and friend. 
I don't want you to have the sense that, oh, he's gone to heaven. He's left us alone. No. He has his glory fully restored. That's why he can be in heaven and with us at the same time. He's not just sitting in heaven. He can be everywhere at the same time. So he's our constant companion and friend. And also, there is hope preparing a home for us. What is Jesus doing today? He's enthroned in heaven. He's the sovereign Lord and master. He's our great high priest and mediator. He's our constant companion and friend. And he's preparing a home, or a place for us. The last time I spoke on this too, and I told you that when I was preparing my PowerPoint, I realized that if I did this, this, and this, we'll stay here for a long time. So I just did this, 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 to those points. So hopefully we can touch on those today. This was said the last time, Hebrews chapter 1, and I won't repeat it. And if you want to see it, you can take the notes. This we didn't read. So let's read. There were many priests. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23 to 28, New Living Translation. There were many priests under the old system. For death prevented them from remaining in office. But... Because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, I love these words. I love these words. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. It's important to pick these words and make them yours. He saves me once and forever because I've come to God through him. He's able to save once and forever those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. He is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once for all when he offered himself as a sacrifice for the people's sin. The law, the law appointed high priests who were limited by human weakness. But after the law was given, God appointed his son with an oath. And his son has been made the perfect, the perfect high priest forever. Just reading it, just merely reading it. You see, it's written plain. There's not much to say it other than that the Lord Jesus Christ as high priest is unique. 
is a unique high priest. He's holy and he's blameless, unstained by sin, and he's set apart from sinners. God has given him the highest place of honor. I'm just repeating those words because I want you to remind yourself, to remind yourself of who he is. And he lives forever, and his priesthood is forever, and he's able to save. I like this. I really love this. He's able to save once and forever. I don't save myself. You don't save yourself. All we need to do is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, trust in him, and he takes it from there. He's able to save once and forever those who come to God through him. This is a wonderful thing because I don't have to hang on to, uh, maybe I'll make it. I'm not sure. To, I seem to waffle. To, I go yo-yo up and down. And some days I'm very confident. I'm very sure. Other days I'm not sure. No, he is able to save once and forever. He's the great savior. So he lives forever to intercede with God on our behalf. And he's appointed by God with an oath. He's the perfect high priest forever. Now let's read again. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. The high priest in the olden days, every day they offered sacrifice. Day after day. I feel sorry for all those lambs and goats that were offered every day the same sacrifice, repeated day after day. But it adds, but our high priest, the Lord Jesus, this is wonderful news, offered himself as a single sacrifice for sins. For how long? Good for all time. Then, what did he do? He sat down. I understand from the temple that there was one thing that wasn't there in the temple. A chair. Because the priest's job was never done. He was coming back to offer the same sacrifice every day. But when Jesus offered himself on the cross and was accepted by the Father and returned to heaven, he wasn't standing and saying, oh, okay, what do you think? Is it good? Is that a, do you think that was a good job? No. After he had offered this single sacrifice for sin forever, the Bible said he sat now. That means it's, it's done. Nothing else to add, nothing to subtract at God's right hand. So this was the verse that was read. So then, since we, now this is a command to us, since we believers, we believers have a great high priest who has entered heaven. Jesus, 
the Son of God. They don't, you know, the writer of Hebrew doesn't want you to, to miss it. So he wants to say, the great high priest, and you say, who? He tells you so that you don't miss it. Jesus, the Son of God. So what should we do? Let us hold firmly to what we believe. Don't let anybody deceive you or lead you astray. Hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. He's not expecting perfection from us. He understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. And so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and will find grace to help us when we need it most. Have you ever wondered why God's throne is called the throne of grace? Because we need grace moment by moment. He said, so let's come boldly. So what are the points here? Seated our great high priest, offered himself for sin all time, sat down, understands our weaknesses, never sin, has the throne of grace. Now I want you to think with me. We have a savior who walked where we walked. I don't know what your situation is right now. But the Lord Jesus became man so that he can walk where we walked. He was, he hurt where we hurt. Sometimes you feel hurt emotionally, sometimes physically, sometimes mentally. He cried where we cried and ache where we ache. That's why he's able to understand See, when we come to him in time of need, he understands. And that's why he can minister to you according to your need, which is different from mine. We have this Savior that understands all of this. You know, when Jesus was beaten with all of those things, there was bleeding. So he bled. When he was sad, he wept. Remember Lazarus' grave? He wept. And when he was tired, he slept. There was a day they went into the boat, and then he went to the stern and was... And then the waves and the storms came. And then the disciples ran out to him and said, Wake up, wake up, don't you care, we perish. And then he stood up and rebuked the storm. And then they said... Who is this that even the winds and the storm obey him? So when he was tired, he slept. In fact, when his heart stopped, what happened? He died. That's why he died on the cross. So he took up our form, humanity, so that he could go through what we are going through, so that he could understand what we are going through. He's not aloof, you know, saying, okay... I've never experienced this. I don't know about this, so I can't really tell how it feels. He went through all of this. So we have a Savior who understands. He understands our need individually and collectively. Because he was a man, he sympathizes with our weaknesses. We have to keep this in mind. He offers us grace and mercy for all occasion and all time. There are all kinds of graces that God offers. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. 
so that you always having all sufficiency in everything. Grace for service. Paul could say something like, by the grace of God, I labor more than them all, but yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. Even grace for speech. Let your words always be grace, seasoned with, with, seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to answer every man. So there is grace for all occasions. By grace, you are saved. He is able to offer grace in all of our needs and in all of our individual circumstances. And of course, mercy is for the miserable. And often we are. So he sympathizes with us in our misery. There was a day a woman was carrying her only child who had just died. Her husband had died and her son had died and they were on the road to go and bury him. The, Lord, the Bible says Jesus looked and had compassion on her and then he stopped them and then brought the son back to life. There was a man that was at the well, we know this very well, and he sat there for 38 years, paralyzed, couldn't move. He didn't even reach out to Jesus. Jesus went around the city and came to where the man was, and he showed him mercy. So a high priest understands our needs, which are unique, and often we need help and mercy. Is our great high priest and mediator. We are to come boldly and we are to stand firm. So we need to go to the Lord Jesus Christ boldly so that we might find grace and help in time of need. How about we sing boldly I approach? So, lucky. Not answering me, Nick. He understands our weaknesses. <laughs> Can you uh, click the next slide and just see? All right, it's good now. It's good now? All right. Hebrews, I've, mostly what I've been studying is the book of Hebrews. You probably might have realized that. I've read it a few times, and I kept reading. And I'm looking at time, and I can't read this one because it's going to take time. But the verse I want you to know, let's read it. What do we see is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position, a little lower than the angels, and because he suffered death for us, He's now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many sons into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now, Jesus and the ones he makes Holy, have the same Father. That will be you and me. But notice this verse. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers 
and sisters. And then he goes on to say, for he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters and I will praise you among your assembled people. He also said, I will put my trust in them. That is, I and the children God has given me. So why did Jesus become a person, a human being? Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood. So, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be a merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are tested. Just reading that passage alone, just reading it, you can see the point there is, uh, at least I wanted to emphasize if it will work, that he is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. Sometimes I'm ashamed of myself. Sometimes I feel ashamed that, uh, you know, I don't measure up. But the Lord Jesus is not ashamed to call me his brother. He's not ashamed to call you his brother, his sister, regardless of your performance. It's a wonderful thing when we are accepted by the Savior. And then he goes with us as friends. He travels with us in the journey of life. So, it's a friend. He knows our suffering. He knows our circumstances. He knows our situations. And he's always there with us. He's our constant companion and friend. Don't have time to go through it. But he's also doing something else for us. He's preparing a home. It's wonderful to live in a world where everybody or majority of the world believe that all that there is is now. When you die, that's the end. So if all that there is is now, why should I be walking? Why should I be living a moral life or why should I be doing any of those things? No, all that there is is not now. He's coming back to take us home. And he's coming back to bring us to glory. So, so many wonderful passages. John chapter 14, Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. 
believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And when I'm done, I will come back and I will take you to myself. And uh, being born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to an inheritance imperishable, undefiled, and that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. Wonderful words of scripture. And that's why we need to imbibe this and own it and say it, speak it, talk about it when we feel down, when we feel as if the whole world is falling apart. We remember that Jesus is not ashamed of us and he's building a place for us and he's coming back to take us home. And so you can get your confidence, not because, you know, because of uh, anything other than the fact that you've imbibed the truth of scripture and you've made it yours. In the midst of trials and circumstances and difficulties, remember, this is not the end. He's coming to take us home. And so there are many passages like this one that says, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among the people and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no longer be any death. There will be no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things passed away. We have a living hope. Hope that cannot be deterred by circumstances and that cannot be brought down by circumstances. And so the Lord Jesus right now is preparing a place for us. He doesn't need it himself because he's already seated at the right hand of God. He's preparing a place for us so that he can take us home. A better country, heaven. More than a place what will be in heaven? We know that the Lord Jesus will be there and believers will be there. What will not be there? There will be no death, no mourning, no crying, no pain, no sorrows. And we are heading home. Like one would say, who can mind the journey when the road leads home? And so we have to keep in mind that he hasn't forgotten us, he hasn't left us. We are constantly in his mind and he acts on our behalf. Jesus today is enthroned in heaven, sovereign Lord and master, great high priest and mediator, constant companion and friend, is preparing a place for us. Of all people in the world, we as believers are supposed to be the most hopeful and the happiest people because our future is bright and the best is yet to come. And so friends, I want to encourage you and just remind you that Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. So don't be ashamed of him. Make sure you proclaim him. I'd like us to pray and then we'll sing Dwelling in Beulah Land. Let's pray. And so Lord, we thank you for your word. We know you haven't left us alone that you care for us, you think about us, and you provide for us. I just pray that you grant us the grace to remember that we are your children, we are your friends, we are your brothers and sisters. And help us to live with confidence in a chaotic world. 
Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. Thank you for living for us. Thank you for coming for us. Help us to always look up and to trust you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.